Welcome to the Just Cincinnati podcast. My name is Kyle Vath. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are really excited about our guest today. As you know, we are focused on really highlighting the voices of those working for justice in the Cincinnati area. And we are privileged to have two individuals from the Young Activist Coalition right here in Cincinnati. We have Ruth DeBono and Owen DeRico. And we are so excited to have you all. How are you all today? I'm doing great. We're really happy to be here. Yes, really great to talk to you today. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, you all are doing some great work in our area, in our region, for youth, for, for young people. And I'd like for you all to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your organization. So, Ruth, why don't you start out? Yeah. Um, my name is Ruth DeBono. I'm a senior at Walnut Hills High School. Um, and I am the student ambassador coordinator for YAC. Great. Thanks, Ruth. Owen? Uh, Hi, I'm Owen. Um, I'm going to be a junior at Walnut Hills High School, and I am the vice president of YAC. Perfect. So tell me a little bit about the YAC and how you all got involved and maybe how the organization started. So YAC has been around um, in Cincinnati for a number of years now. Um, a lot of the time when we get talked about, um, in media and things like that, uh, we're kind of cited as having been started, uh, last year. That's not true. We've been around for a while, but doing, um, a couple of different things. Uh, we started out, uh, before I was involved in the organization as a feminist organization, um, eventually transitioned into, uh, tackling gun violence. Um, but a lot of these things were kind of, very large scale issues, uh, national scale issues like gun violence or climate change, things that you need to be very well resourced to tackle. Um, And so last year, um, near the beginning of the year, we kind of stepped back a little bit to think about um, our activism and what we were actually doing. And we realized that we were really overlooking a lot of the hardships and struggles that were Uh, happening right in our own communities here in Cincinnati. Um, And so we launched the Fix Our Schools campaign, um, which focuses specifically on reform within the Cincinnati Public Schools uh, school district um, and on helping students from other nearby districts to uh, get some of that reform themselves. Great. Ruth, anything you'd like to add there? Um. No, I would just, I guess I would just say that, you know, as Owen said, previously we had been focusing on big picture things, things that like kind of as students, as high schoolers, we didn't really have as much control over as we realized that we could in our own schools. And so by going into our own schools, we are, we've been able to talk to other students and kind of see what's affecting us in our everyday lives and what we can do to help make schools a better place for everyone. Yeah, you know, that's really the the whole idea behind this Just Cincinnati podcast is, you know, I, I personally, speaking for myself, I was really overwhelmed over the last couple of years um, in, in all the, um, both with the pandemic and the uh, racial reckoning that we have had in our country over the last 
mainly year and a half. And um, it's very easy, even not just students, uh, adults uh, with maybe even more resources. Um, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and, and not be able to tackle many of these issues that we see on the news. And so what that results in is almost a, a paralysis where you don't do anything because these issues seem so big. So I certainly understand that. And I'm sure uh, any listeners would would agree with that whole sense is that it's not just a, a youth challenge. It's, it's a challenge for all of us, for sure. And so I certainly appreciate that approach. Now, really what you all have been getting some traction about and media attention about is the SROs and Cincinnati Public Schools uh, issue. Tell us a little bit about that, uh, what led to you all focusing on that issue and maybe some of your work that, that you've done surrounding that issue. Well, um, this has been uh, basically what has gotten us um, really connected within Cincinnati activism and what has uh, been focused on a lot because it is a kind of um, catchy issue from whatever side you're coming from that if um, you are kind of concerned about these racial justice issues and things like that, that it's um, something that feels immediate and it's like, uh, kind of takes away a lot of the abstraction that a lot of these things can have um, and makes it into something actionable. On the other side, of course, uh, it is something that feels like a very targeted attack. Um, but we really came into thinking about this issue um, for several reasons. Um, first of all, um, within the context of last year's um, really national kind of heightened interest in um, racial justice, specifically with relation to the institution of the police, um, but as well as just the result of uh, the personal experiences of a lot of uh, members of our organization, a lot of uh, people we worked with. And, you know, as we speak to more and more students, we realize that, like, this is an issue that's kind of a constant presence for a lot of students. So tell me a little bit more about that, that issue. You know, what, what are the things that you are hearing and experiencing either yourself or um, as, that you are hearing others say that they are experiencing? Well, there's a couple of sides to it. Um, the first side is just personal experience, which, you know, I think is it's very important because it kind of makes the issue real um, in a way that statistics uh, can't exactly, that statistics can be very concerning, um, very damning for a lot of institutions, but it doesn't really feel as close as personal experiences. Um, I mean, we've talked to dozens of students who feel unsafe in their schools every day because of the presence of uh, police officers. Um, we've spoken to students who have been threatened with arrest by these officers for essentially um, uh, a permissible behavior. We've spoken to students who have um, had numerous uh, negative interactions uh, with these officers that were completely unnecessary, not motivated by any action on the student's part. Um, and all of that is like, it, it really makes the issue feel real. 
Um, but then again, on the other side, we have uh, tons of statistics. We have put in uh, requests to both the Cincinnati Police Department um, and Cincinnati Public Schools. We've also sourced this data from the Civil Rights Data Collection. Um, and all of it points to the same conclusions about Cincinnati Public Schools, which is that students are being criminalized at incredibly high rates. Over 400 students are being entered into the criminal legal system every single school year. And that this discipline is vastly disproportionate um, in the way of harming uh, black and brown students. Um, that in some cases for, for certain kinds of discipline, um, CPS uh, has an enrollment of 60% uh, black students. Um, for some kinds of discipline, it can be 80%. Um, this is kind of so a two-parted issue um, in that sense that it's both that the criminalization of students under any circumstances we view as being incredibly negative, non-conducive to a learning environment, but also that on top of that, uh, the basic indignity of criminalization, um, the way it's being carried out is identifiably racist. So these SROs, they were put into the school for a reason, obviously, you know, there, there are areas, you know, I, I've got three kids, I want my kids safe. And, um, you know, I, I, and for the most part, glad when there are are teachers and staff and and others who are keeping them safe from violence from the outside or from people fighting or you know whatever it would be. Um, there there may have been good intention to put those officers in place originally, um, but what do you see as where where is the line being drawn where where it's no longer helpful, it's no longer protecting, and it's a problem now? Yeah. So um, within and actually Cincinnati Public Schools, our, the SRO program is one of the oldest in the country. And so, you know, of course, the police officers are put into schools and often, you know, seen as something to keep students safe when in reality they are what they're doing is um, reactive things. They aren't preventing things from happening. They aren't actually keeping the students safe within the schools. And the, according to the ACLU, there's no empirical evidence showing that they would prevent, you know, the things that we fear that are very justifiable fears of things like gun violence and that sort of thing, which, of course, you know, isn't something that we would take lightly, but there isn't evidence showing that they help prevent that. And, you know, as we talked about um, earlier with like, we know that the discipline and that sort of thing is disproportionate. And for I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but for many black students, I would say for myself, police officers are something that are feared. And so they aren't really protecting those students. They aren't protecting any students when they can criminalize and send students to jail, but they're especially not protecting black, brown, disabled, and other marginalized groups of students. And when they're arresting these students, they're entering and either arresting or um, having summons, which is basically, um, then they, those students have to go into court even if they aren't arrested. Um, they're entering these students into the criminal justice system and contributing to the school to prison pipeline. And so these students are much more likely to in the future end up back in that system when if it wasn't for the SROs, they might not have been, you know, they might have never had any interaction with the legal system at all in their lives. So in that in that regard, 
they're kind of they're actively harming these students. So what would your ideal look like? You know, obviously these are complex issues. Um, and so I'm sure you can't fully summarize it in, in a minute or two, but give me an idea of, uh, for both of you, what a just Cincinnati public schools would look like for you. Well, what we are specifically advocating for, and um, I'm happy you asked this because a lot of the time when we're getting covered, um, what really gets focused in on is um, the police issue. The, and, and, you know, understandably so, um, to some degree, that that is really the hot button element of this issue. That's what is very contentious. And that's, you know, more functionally what's going to get you clicks and stuff. Um, but um, we fully recognize that just removing uh, SROs from within um, the schools and not replacing them with anything um is not a functional solution because what's inevitably going to happen is that um, we are still relying on the systems of punitive discipline um, that the SROs exist in and are a part of. So what is at best going to happen is that functionally the way we deal with student behavior is going to remain the same at worst, what's going to happen is we're just going to start bringing in cops um, from outside of the schools who have um, absolutely no interaction with the school community um, and, you know, are not um, even in the kind of not ideal way that SROs are trained to interact with students, because even that training, it can only go so far when your function is criminalization and punitive discipline. But bringing in police who don't even have any of that is vastly worse. So what we are advocating for um, is kind of multifaceted. Um, it is the implementation of um, more student resources, such as mental health professionals, um, counselors, um, various kinds of social workers, um, as well as addressing school um, environment in the ways that uh, teachers and administrators are meant uh, and kind of led to believe they should uh, enact discipline and interact with these discipline systems because um, a big problem with the ways that SROs operate is the ways they're used by school administrators or teachers um, who can kind of invoke them in situations where they aren't really necessary um, and so we really want to focus in on um, creating systems that are actually preventative for these things. And a big part of that is actually um, restorative and transformative justice. Uh, Ruth, if you would like to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So restorative and transformative justice is um, essentially focused on rather than just punishing the offender in whatever situation is focused on restoring the victims, the communities, and the offenders, helping the overall school community and transforming that outside of whatever, you know, negative interaction or whatever may have happened. And so what we currently have is we talked about punitive discipline or retributive justice is focused on punishing and rather than, you know, helping that person change whatever the situation may be where punishment may be, you know, the 
go-to solution, I guess, um, rather than seeing, okay, what caused this situation to happen? What, you know, why, what's going on outside of this situation in your life that is causing the student to act in the way that has not been, I guess, deemed as appropriate. Um, and it doesn't help the, it, as well as just punishing that student, it doesn't help this, if another student's involved in that situation, it doesn't help that student. And so restorative and transformative justice um, is focused on having proactive things to help prevent these things from occurring at all, making sure that students are in a situation where they have all of their needs met and, you know, there aren't things that are maybe causing them to act in ways that are often, often these things are like, you know, normal ch childhood behavior, like fights or calling kids names. It's not something that is like, I don't know, unheard of, but instead of just punishing students for those things where you want to prevent them from happening in the first place. And then also when they do happen, because, you know, it's going to happen in schools. I mean, you have a room, you know, you have a school full of young, growing kids. They, everyone's not going to get along all of the time. And so when that happens, instead of just punishing students, helping to um, helping teach them, you know, why what they did was wrong and how they can help and things like restorative talking circles where you can kind of um, grow from those things. And then we would also want to implement restorative justice, you know, not only for students, but for teachers so that um, it's kind of throughout the school and throughout the entire school environment. How much of the issues that you see in the school, uh, meaning, you know, like you just said, if, if, if someone is having a rough home life and they bring that to the school and they maybe respond in ways that aren't always the best and issues escalate and then you have some of these injustices that, that you mentioned happen, how much of that do you think also plays into the idea of inequities, systemic inequities or systemic injustices that are happening within our community, larger community, outside of the school, whether it's our neighborhoods. I mean, everything from redlining to discrimination in education or hiring practices or wage you know, differences. Um, how much of that is, is a, a deeper um, issue uh, that, that is leading to some of these problems that you're seeing in the school? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of a vicious cycle because what happens is that these um, problems of in inequity are functionally manufactured in a lot of cases um, in a way that um, gives students um, not well deprive students of the resources they need um in their home life or to be successful in um a school environment or um just to be um kind of provided for in the, the ways they need to be um then problems um naturally arise in school and then these students are, are criminalized for it that in a lot of cases you could kind of argue that what we're doing here is just a roundabout way of criminalizing uh, poverty or criminalizing um, all of these various other issues. And that's where it comes down to um, this being everybody's re responsibility on some level that even um, outside of the cops issue, and, and if we do get SROs out of schools, if we do get 
um, restorative and transformative justice, I mean, our fight isn't going to be over. Um, there's all of this other stuff that also needs to be addressed. I mean, just uh, this year, the affordable housing amendment was struck down. Um, that would have been, um, again, while nothing is a kind of comprehensive solution, that would have been something that was very good for our communities. Um, unfortunately, um, it was propagandized um, incredibly throughout the entire uh, lead up to the vote on it. Um, but things like that really need to also be considered as part of this. And like all, all of these issues are completely interconnected. That's why we um, collaborate with other organizations in uh, Cincinnati that aren't necessarily um, doing exactly the same work that we are like, the Anti-Police Brutality Coalition or the Greater Cincinnati uh, Homeless Coalition or um, the Intercommunity Justice and Peace Center. Um, but even if we aren't all necessarily organizing on the specific same issue, all of these issues are interconnected in our communities. So if someone's listening and they say, you know, I... I understand this issue this this makes sense to me and i want to be a part of the solution um, maybe they are a parent of a cps student or um, they're a, a community leader of some sort or maybe they don't have any kids in the district at all but they just want to help in some way what would you tell them uh is, is a great way to get involved with you all and, and this issue yeah so um we have a website which is just um young if you just look up young activist coalition it'll come up um and on there you can find our social media we have um a like link tree thing where you have there's a get involved form there's a petition and then um so a petition people can sign a get involved form that you know just you know sign up on there and give us your email and then also if anybody is interested you can also just um email young activist coalition at gmail.com and if you you know want to if you have anything to say to us if you want to if you just or if you just want to connect in any way and then we also have a um for if anybody's like part of an organization we have a like endorsement um form thing if you are interested in getting involved with us in that way the the other most critical thing um is to let the school board know what you think. Um, because um, a lot of people may not necessarily know this, um, because I think the the ease with which this could actually be achieved has been obfuscated to some degree. But um, the way that the contract with um, the Cincinnati Police Department or their authorization to um, operate within Cincinnati Public Schools is tied to a memorandum of understanding held by the Board of Education. Um, by a majority vote, that could be revoked um, with and within with 30 days of written notice, um, the police department could be removed from Cincinnati Public Schools. Um, it's a relatively um, simple process. It's not any kind of complicated bureaucracy you have to deal with. Um, but a lot of the school board, um, despite, again, our petition with over 500 signatures right now, um, a lot of the school board has been um, very questioning of the public support that this issue has. 
Um, so make sure they know what you think about it. Um, write emails to your school board members, um, talk on public comments um, during school board meetings about this issue. Um, making your voice heard is super important. And also um, speaking to us about what you are seeing within um, uh, your schools. If you're a student um, or a parent or a teacher, um, talking to us about how we can best uh, serve you. Well, Owen and Ruth, thank you so much for the work that you do every day. And um, being uh, so young, I, I wish I would have been as involved in this kind of work uh, as you are. So you are an inspiration, and, and I know you will inspire many who listen to this. And uh, uh, young but powerful, your voice is very uh, meaningful, important, and valued in our community. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for your time today. I'm sure you all are getting ready to go back to school and your, your days are, are full as you get prepared for that. But again, thank you for your time today. So the website is youngactivists.org and they are on Instagram at, at Young Activists Coalition. Facebook, same thing. And Twitter at Young Activist SC, uh, or, or Young Ac Activists C is what that is there. So again, Ruth and Owen, thank you so much for spending time with us today and uh, looking forward to seeing the good work you are uh, going to accomplish in this next coming year. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. It was great to talk to you. enjoyed our podcast today we'd so very much appreciate you subscribing reviewing and sharing our podcast this will help more people find us and join the movement and if you're able to support this podcast and the work we do please head on over to our patreon page at patreon.com slash just cincinnati we're grateful for your support in amplifying the voices of those bringing about a more just cincinnati Our theme music for Just Cincinnati was generously provided by the internationally renowned but locally based singer and songwriter Kim Taylor. More of her intimate and folksy music can be found on her website at kim-taylor.net or wherever quality music is streamed. <laughs>